Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, the brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Gerolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com and use the code CRAIG30 in all caps to receive 30% off of your order. This special show is also being brought to you by Arete Complete. Arete Complete is the official towel of Peloton. The towels are ultra absorbent and the colors pop like nothing I've ever seen. They come in a tennis court green, an Aussie open blue, a Laver Cup gray, and they are now rolling out a limited edition French open towel that features an incredible print of the old center court, Court Central, where Borg won and Lendl, Noah, the whole thing is awesome. See them at A-R-E-T-E-C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E.com and use the code SHAP20 in all caps for 20% off of your order. Today's guest got to four in the world, won 20 tournaments, and coached Andre Agassi to six of his eight major championships. His book, Winning Ugly, is the seminal tennis instruction book of our time, and today we are doing a forensic breakdown of the French Open. My ace, Brad Gilbert, is today's guest. My man, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, we're amplified here. Are you in Malibu? I'm in Malibu. And what? You ready for this? Are you ready for, you ready for this French Open for two weeks or what? Are we, are we starting? We're going. We're going. Okay, do it, do it again. Do it again. No, I ain't doing it again. We're going. Let's go. Are you ready? Okay. Gentlemen, you heard confused, uh, former world number four, friend of the show, and author of the great book, Winning Ugly. And is there a Winning Ugly 2? Is that right? Uh, no, I did another book about, I don't know, 10, 10, 12 years after it called I've Got Your Back. You know, and then obviously we added, you know, a few more chapters to Winning Ugly. Got the podcast Winning Uglier with my son. Um, but amazing winning ugly is still relevant 30 years on how many books have been sold i would say you know they don't know because it's you know so many um different printings um worldwide but definitely over a million come on a million that's brad gilbert everybody uh this is the french open they don't call it French Open anymore. They say call it Roland Garros. I call it the French Open. This is going to be the French Open special. Man, always good to see you, man. Good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm okay. So listen, as you know, we normally do five-set format. We're not doing it. We're going to go a hard two-setter. The first set is the off-the-court report. First and foremost, I want to extend my condolences. You guys had a dog pass. Um, yeah, I was gutting this week on Monday. Our beloved lab, Delta, um, so sad. I mean, she went from 100% to 1%, like, um, but dogs are the greatest. You know, animals are the greatest. Uh, they give so much every day, ask so little in return, except to be loved. And this dog was loved, Delta. I'm always remiss to mention it. The skin cancer is in full effect. You, you still, every few months, you got to get stuff cut. Yeah, I just had, uh, you know, two most surgeries done uh, about 11 days ago, one on the the, um, the forehead, one on the nose, and I, I had one area on the calf, and I don't even have any calves. I have the world's smallest calves, and it was like, he didn't do that. He goes, I think we could just treat it with the cream. So when I go to get the stitches out of my forehead, 
He didn't want to stitch up my nose because he was a little worried about the scar. He's looking at the my calf, and I'm like, there's no calf there. He's like, he's like, what are we going to do with it? And he's like, he tells the nurse, give me a kit. Next thing you know, he's cutting me up. I got another 20 stitches in my calf. So get, get some out, get some new ones in. But it's constantly a battle for me. The sun is a tough opponent. I won't give up. Just got a defense up with sunscreen. I need sunscreen indoors. And that's the moral of the story. Everybody got to be with sunscreen. This is Memorial Day weekend. Don't mess around with the sun. Uh, absolutely not. You know, a lot of people, it's funny, even though you're olive skin or you think that you don't have any issues or the biggest issue is actually with, with the skin is a lot of people, maybe as they get older, will have a spot, but it doesn't hurt or they don't think that... That, that it's worrisome and, and they don't really go check. And, you know, I've learned the hard way and you got to check, especially if you play tennis your whole life. You got to check. And, and and some good news, Um, your podcast has been on a bit of a hiatus, but that's because the young buck, the son, is in charge of tennis at the famous LATC, the LA Tennis Club, correct? He's now the director of tennis at the LATC. Started a couple months ago. And unfortunately, he's like grinding like 60 hours a week. So, you know, we're on hiatus. Hopefully we'll, we'll have a season two at some point. But Buck is grinding and it's there's not a lot of centurion clubs in California. The Cal Club up in San Francisco, the L.A. Tennis Club. Uh, I could be missing somewhere else, but those are a couple of um, that I know of off the top of my head that are centurion clubs in California. Centurion meaning 100 year old clubs. Yes. Let's get into the second set. This is the on the court report. There's so much to break down, but you know, listen, I mean, the French Open starts in a couple days. And before we even touch the draw, I want to make mention of two things. Uh, First thing, this is the first time they're going to play in the night. Is that interesting? I mean, they've never played in the night because the sun stays up till 9, 9.30, sometimes 9.45. Well, it's going to be tricky now that obviously they, that they would play four or five matches in the day. So I would assume that they, they'll play less matches on the center, maybe three matches, and then start, you know, the evening match, you, you know, maybe what, second from seven. So if you got to play a five center, you know, second from seven, you know, could be a late night. But at least now they do have the roof so it will be, you know, you will play it. But I could assume a few of the players will be like, you know, let's say you're playing at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. It could be really cold. So you're going to have to be prepared for some cold. You know, we get some cold weather there. Obviously, we're back, you know, at our traditional time one week later. Hopefully, we'll get a little warmer weather. But I do think, it, you know, playing second at night potentially you know, if it's in the low 50s, it's going to be tough sledding. I don't have clarity. Is Are, are there lights? Are, are well, they just last play- year, they added lights. Okay. They, but I, I'm guessing that they were temporary lights. Because remember, in the fall, that you know, it was it getting darker dark sooner. 545, 6 o'clock. Yeah. So they needed lights. So I'm not sure that they're going to be playing anything with lights on the outside courts. So it's unclear. The only night play, you know, obviously you'll still play till nine nine thirty on the outside courts, 
but obviously there's this new night session now on Central. Uh, let's ladies first per usual here. Um, what stuck out at you when you looked at the draw? Why don't you start? And I'd like to, I'll jump in when I see fit. Um, well, well, first that I really believe that I think I said last year, 15 to 20 women could win the draw easily. Yep. And Iga Pop, Iga Sviantek wouldn't have been one of mine who was a pick to win it. <laughs> um, so this year, I'm going to say 10 to 15 can win it. Um, obviously, Barty, you know, had, has played great in the clay court season, but all of a sudden pulled out in Rome with an arm injury. So obviously not sure if that was just for precaution, but I like the way that she was playing this clay court season. Um, obviously, Halep, Jalapeno being out, you know, somebody that very good on clay. Hang on a second. Uh, Halep ripped her, tore a calf. Uh, a calf. Yeah. And so, do you have any interesting information on that? No, I mean, fingers crossed that that she makes it back for Wimbledon. I mean, you rip a calf, you know, that's something that you know is not easy, especially somebody that depends upon her legs and her movement to play. So that's an incredibly tricky injury that normally eight to ten weeks, you know, but somebody that depends so much on their movement that can't just blow you off with one shot, that, that's a tough injury. Um, and Osaka, obviously, the number two seed is somebody that really struggles on the clay, got a pretty good draw. Um, but I, I just feel like there's going to be lots of opportunities in the women's draw. And it, it, Listen, it you just sat down on Osaka for a moment. I want to just um, kiss it quickly. Have you formed an opinion of uh, what she's done with regards to going hard, no press, really in protest of the policy of mandatory press? Um, well, it's a tough situation. Obviously, players forever have had to do it. But now, I mean, obviously now, she, she has afforded the luxury if she doesn't want to do it and she can afford to pay not to do it. I'm not sure that that is a long-term solution to do this every match. You know, it's kind of controlling the narrative a little bit. Um, I also believe that maybe in some way, okay, she doesn't want to be asked anything negative and it, it really can bother her. I can tell you in 2011 when I coached Nishikori, that the Japan media, you know, is very strong. I believe the number one, I mean, media print, you know, is dying a little bit, but not in Japan. I believe the number one and two selling newspapers in the world are in Japan. Mm. And they want to know, they would ask me, like, Nishikori, like the big thing was becoming 46 in the world because um, Shuzo Matsuoka got to 47. So they, they would kind of named him Project 46. They wanted to know specifically exactly when Kay would become 46. And I was like, what, what kind of a goal is that? He wants to become the best player that he can become. But they would want to know specifically when he's going to be 46. When is he going to do this? Huh. When is it? So, and, you know, Naomi's been struggling a little bit on the clay. And maybe she's a little bit annoyed about being asked questions. But I do think that the one thing that is a little bit uneasy is forever. You, you'll have some journalists that are just covering 
you know, let's say maybe they're from Australia or, or um, they don't cover tennis and maybe they'll be in the press room and they can ask some crazy questions or the same in Europe or the States. You could have some people ask some crazy questions um, and players maybe are, are asked the same question over and over again and you get annoyed with it. I also feel like, Craig, there's a couple interesting things of recent that made me think about it. Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, would only answer, I'm only here so I don't get fined. He would say nothing else. Steve Carlton was an amazing pitcher when I was a kid. I believe he won the Cy Young Award on a last place team for the Phillies that won like 55 games. He won 27. He went like 15 years not speaking to the media. So she could just go and just say nothing. I'm not sure that does anything, but I'm also not sure that you, you need to be called in every single match. Obviously, lower players don't. Higher players get called in every single match. But it does make tennis relevant that, you know, the, the, the ones that are really credible and are constantly working and pushing the narrative of tennis, you know, it helps tennis. It, you know, puts, you know, information and puts news out there about tennis. And, you know, it's important during non-slam time. So, honestly, I'm not sure what the long-term solution is of it. She's just bringing it to light, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Interesting how much power she has as well as uh, athlete in the world because she's, she's, she's playing a different game right now than everybody else. You know, a lot of, a, a lot of us who have all done this, sometimes you just kind of go in a semi-tank mode. Sometimes when they ask you the same questions or how many times has Rafa been asked about his quarterfinal opponent when he's in the first round, you know, yeah. or they're already advancing him in this, and he's just focused – you know, on one thing or how many crazy quick, but they do it, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I know that the French Tennis Federation is not pleased. Uh, back to the draw, I want to mention uh, three players of significance shut down their coaches, uh, two of them being their fathers. Uh, Sonia Kennan shut down her dad. Uh, Caro Garcia shut down her dad. And and what, what I was really surprised to see was Jen Brady shut down this, you know, significant relationship that she had. She did something a little bit out of the box going to Germany. She played incredible tennis, and she shut it down. So I'd like you to mention those players, please. Um, the father's-daughter uh, one is the toughest one. Um, and sometimes it's extremely difficult for some of these young players to be able to break away from the parent um, and, and be able to control their own career. Um, and Kenan has done it early. Garcia probably has done it too late. You know, it's probably five years too late. And you can kind of see that it looked like maybe they weren't happy on the court. I, um, and it's hard to know exactly in these type of situations, you know, now, with these teams, you know, you, you have, you know, a lot of times you have a co-coach, you have a physio, you have a trainer, but I do know one thing. It's, it, it would be extremely difficult to be a co-coach with the parent. You, you know, so I, I do think it's a way of these, you know, these two girls of being able to take control of their career 
and be able to do some things that maybe they weren't happy with the direction where things were going. Um, normally, you don't see splits, you know, right before the French, like at this time. Yeah. Usually, you see them in the off season, and then normally a time that you might see some splits is after Wimbledon. Now we're like three slams done with a year. Maybe seasons are going a little bit sideways. Maybe it's a time to make a change. And in the Jen Brady case, I was very surprised. I, you know, first of all, I was surprised how she hooked up with this coach to begin with. Obviously made a semis of U.S., a finals the Australian. I don't know anything about the coach, anything about this relationship, but I was very surprised that after success, um, instantly cut the cord. And, and that's, that's the hardest thing to do for a player. But honestly, if a player who is the boss you know, in a team sport, if, you know, player and coach aren't getting along, there's a general manager that can try to mediate, you know, and, and something. But when player is signing the check for coach, it's not, something's not right, 88 and out the gate. So it is a tough decision. And, you know, we'll see how she does from here. And sometimes it's just about that cash money. I just kind of wanted to mention some matches that, kind of are, I don't know, I think they're kind of interesting. It seems to me like Azarenka Kuznetsova first round could be their last turn around the sun here in Paris uh, as a main draw players. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not Pretty incredible, Aza's, right? I mean, they're, yeah. yeah. It's not Oz's best surface. Um, and Kuzi is, you know, obviously can play on clay. I mean, that that's an interesting matchup. I, I don't really know who to favor on that matchup, um, but it, it, I, I might say that that Oz is a slight favorite, but not sure about you know that one. Um, there's a there's another match here, Annie Samova Kudermatova right out of the box that could be. Uh, I mean, Kudermatova is playing top level tennis, and Annie Samova's been been. Uh, she's yeah, been she iffy, might, right? She's about to drop, take a huge drop potentially in the rankings. She's in the 40s now, and she has a semis coming off. So, and obviously she's been through a lot. Uh, but I, I, I think that, you know, a couple of years on now, I, you know, her serve and, and movement haven't improved. So I watched her play Coco Golf a few weeks ago. Yeah, and, and Amelia and Romana. I, yeah, and I had saw their match in the finals of the U.S. Open Juniors uh, about huh. three, four years before that, and, and Nisimova was so far ahead of Coco. Right. And then all of a sudden, fast forward like four years, and it's like, wow, Coco's so far ahead of Nisimova now. So, I mean, that's an interesting match, but but uh, I, I don't favor Nisimova in that match because of the semis coming off and the potential for her to drop in the rankings. And speak of Goff, I mean, I think she's had a really good clay court season. I think that she's improved a lot, her serve. And I like what she's doing with the forehand, playing with a lot more spin on the forehand. Um, and she's somebody that I would not be surprised if she made a really deep run. Um, she's somebody that seems to thrive in, in slams. And I really like, you know, how she's progressing. So would not be surprised that, to see her deep in the second week. Hey, man, I, we're going to move into the men shortly, but I just want to say Shelby Rogers plays uh, Sviantek potentially in the second round. 
people kind of sleep on Shelby Rogers. Shelby Rogers, first of all, quartered this tournament. And she can beat anybody in the world with blow-away power. And she's a great athlete. Do you have any thoughts on Shelby maybe shaking this drop? It'll be I, I actually think that she might do better on a slower track where the court is a little heavier that she could hit through the court. I actually think if in quicker conditions can expose her movement a little bit. It'll be really interesting. I call her Igapop, uh, Spiontech. Uh, I don't know where what happened to a couple of letters in that name, how we got Spiontech, but Igapop, it'll be really interesting to see how she plays as a defending champion because she just blitzed through the tournament. And that's a tough section with Muguruza. Muguruza oh, sorry, you mean um, she just blitzed through the Italian Open? She just blitzed and, through the Italian and she Open. She blitzed through the French last year. Oh, and she absolutely. she muckled she muckled the French last year. So I just did my picks this morning. And like I said, I think there's 10 to 15 women that could win the tournament. I said 15 to 20 last year. I didn't pick Iga. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there racking my brain on honestly, I can't give you who's gonna win it. It's a little bit like golf, you know, in men's golf, you know. Maybe you could have picked 30 or 40 that were going to win the, the, the PGA. What is it going to be Mickelson? So I'm going to Spiontech to repeat. So really? I, I, because of what I saw at Rome and what I saw at Paris last year. But the, the one thing is, the trepidation is, how you handle the first time as being the defending champion, how you handle all this pressure. No but doubt. And I really like the way she plays, and I do think two things that she can really do at another level. She's a great slider and mover on clay, and she's got an explosive forehand. So I think those are big weapons that, listen, I think that she's a tough out for anybody. And, you know, it's funny. You look at the, you look at the women's draw, and you're right. It's like Mukova is rough sledding for every player in the draw. Sviantek defending champ Muguruza still here Serena Williams if she 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 heats up who's gonna beat her in this tennis in this tennis tournament Serena looks very fit man so last year I felt like Sviantek got hot and won it yeah um I feel like there's gonna be some opportunities in the draw potentially let's say Osaka you know who's the second seed hasn't performed that well you know, she now all of a sudden they changed the seedings. They put Bedroza in her like bottom, you know, little quarter, who's had a great clay court season. So I know one thing in the women's draw expect the unexpected. Almost every slam, yeah. you get two unseated players yeah. make the quarters, you get one unseated yeah. player make the semis. So yeah. I Don't, expect that to happen once again. Hey, man, what no. about what about last year, Podoroska? Paderowska from Argentina. That's what I. That's what I mean. They'll She's semi. Yeah, and, and look at the last like fifteen slams. How many times an unseeded player makes the semis? You know, you you got. Um, you know, it it just happens at numerous slams. Uh, and, and normally it's two unseated in the quarters, one in the semis. So expect that trend to continue. Do you have a beat on the weather uh, starting Sunday? Do you have, the do you have first an early four or five days look okay. 
uh-huh. in the seventies. And then it says, you know, by Wednesday to Friday, we got some rain. Okay. So All right. here we but go. It doesn't look like we have any cold weather. And we're also remember one week later than last year. Uh, and, and just a, a quick, uh, quick moment of respect to Venus Williams. I mean, this probably should be her last turn around the sun there in uh gay Paris, I would expect. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously now, I mean, this has got to probably be her 20th main draw. <laughs> it was going to be her no, 20th more. more. She played, she played Oakland. Main no, no, draw. no. Main draw. No, no. Main draw French open. I'm just saying she played Oakland main draw in 1994. She's been around 27 years. I mean, she's got to <laughs> be. I mean, she was in the finals of the U.S. Open in 97, 24 years ago, before a lot of players were even born. So, you know, she's outside the top 100 now. So at some point, you know, if she keeps going, she might have to play the qualities. But she's still fit. And, you know, if she wants to play, God, you know, it's up to yeah. her. Yeah, you know what she wants to do, but what a legendary athlete, yeah. by the way. Yeah, results yeah. kind of dictate, you know. But if she has the passion to keep going, I'm not going to say why why she can't keep going. No, uh, let's move into the men. What they call it the simple messieurs. They say right, simple the yeah. simple monsieur. First and foremost, the wackiest thing to ever happen: one, two, and three club fed joker and rafa all on the same side of the draw first time in history of grants of majors from what i understand in the in the modern time right well fed and being where he was i mean he you know obviously at, at being seated where he is at eight you you can either be in right, the top right, or the right, bottom right, after right, right, drop right. it's the same as three and four i mean the one thing that drives me nuts about a draw in 32 seats. I hate the fact that it goes in the round of 32, it goes in groups of eight. It goes, so one through eight play 25 through 32. There's no reason why it should go more than in groups of four. So it should go like one to four, play 29 to 32, and go all the way down in groups of four. It really annoys me that inside the round of 16, it goes in groups of four. It should go so like, it should go 1-2 versus 15-16. And then in the quarters, one can play five, one can play eight. What drives me nuts, one plays five, four plays eight. It should go 1-2-7-8. Or it should go 1-8-2-7-3-6-4-5. There's no reason it should be a variable of four. But obviously, the way it is, everyone thinks it should go 2-3, but it's always split that three gets take, drawn in the cup, and it can go on the top half or the bottom half. So, obviously, it's unlucky. And Medvedev, as the number two seed, has had no clay success. So, that means on the bottom half of the draw, you, you've only got one slam winner in team, <laughs> and you got lots of opportunity for guys on the bottom half of the and, draw. And, by the way, like, you know, for Rafa to be the three seed in the French Open that he's won 13 times is just bonkers. <laughs> yeah, but... Unfortunately, there's no precedent. They don't change the seedings ever. They don't change it, man. They don't got any flexibility. Now, so, uh, so I mean, they actually do. They could just say Rafa's the number one seed or the number two seed. That's it. And who's to say that they could have the some US respect? Open, yeah. The U.S. Open once did a long time ago. They made Celis 
code number one with Raft after she came back. Right. There was no precedent. They did it. You know, yep. there's no precedent at the French, but they could do it. Let's just get into this, man. Dominic team's been nowhere. What can you tell me about? He won the U.S. Open partially because the Joker decked the lineswoman with the ball, but uh, he's been nowhere since. What what happened to team? Um, well, he got to, you know, played well at London last year, and he's had a, you know, a bit of a struggle on the clay court season this year. Um, but it's two tournaments. Get through the first week and all of a sudden get some confidence into the second week. Now all of a sudden, you know, Rafa and Joker are on the other side of the, of the draw. You don't have to think about them. And potentially if your team, your Sitsi Pass, your Zverev, you only have to maybe see one of those guys in the final. So I think it's a great opportunity for everybody on the bottom half of the draw to focus on who you're playing. It's two tournaments. The first week you get three matches and all of a sudden you get some confidence to get into the second week. So team has played well numerous times in Paris. So I think that he, he'll, he'll like the opportunity of the draw and then you go from there. Bublik, uh, the, they, 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 they say he, he plays for Kazakhstan, but he's Russian, is going to play Medvedev first round. Um, people seem to be licking their chops for that match. Um, interesting matchup. The, they, um, I think they might have static. Is that what it is? They had static? Do they, do they not like each other? Is that the story there? I, I, I don't know if they're yeah, two yeah, guys yeah. in two cabs. But obviously, they speak the same language, and you know, maybe he's a year older. Um, it, it, you know, for Medvedev, it's just about finding a way to be able to play the style of game that he's accustomed to on hard courts and indoors on clay. And it's keeping himself, you know, in check mentally about the surface. One thing I am surprised about, he doesn't move nearly as well on the clay as he does on hard courts because he's not a, an awesome slider. He, uh, so I am surprised about that, how long that he's been in France. But Bublik's the kind of guy that brings the match to you, so maybe that will be good for Medvedev that he'll be able to use his returns and passing shots. And um, I, I mean, I think that that's... An open match. A lot of people see upset, you know, upset alert in that match. You know, I, I might say that that is an open match. You know, I'm not ready to say Bubba's going to win that match convincingly, but I, I, I need to see, you know, Medvedev, you know, win a few matches before I'm going to believe that he's going to make a deep run. 100%. Um, you know, Roberto I, 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 Batista Agu and uh, – Carreño Busta are down there on the bottom. Um, Zverev's on the bottom. Uh, Dimitrov's Actually, on the, the bottom. The, the two, uh, it's Sissipas on the guys, bottom. The, Sorry, the, go ahead. The two Spanish guys don't play as well. Actually, I think now on clay as they do on hard courts. Um, we got tons of Americans, all the big guys, you know, Isner, Opelka on the bottom have to draw. But somebody that I really, you know, got my eye on now in the bottom half of the draw, Sitsi Pass. And actually, he could play Corda, who I think, you know, may be our best clay court player second round. 
Um, mm. But I think this is a great opportunity for Sitsi Pass. Um, and I think if you ask me who the favorite is on the bottom half of the draw, it's Sitsi Pass. And, and by the way, um, Sitsi Pass is a absolute joy to watch play on the red clay, man. He's a fun well, player to watch on that red clay. The way he, the way he plays is just a thing of beauty out there. He slides and yep. glides. Yep, he slides and glides. Um, but I actually think that he's one of those guys that whether or not he's playing on clay, on grass, on hard court, he can make little subtle adjustments in his game. And I think that he's going to be good on every surface. I think he's going to be darn good on grass. Um, and I think that, listen, I think he's very close to winning a slam. And But I think the hardest thing to do for any of these young guys is to have to beat Nadal and Joker potentially to win a slam and potentially back-to-back -back matches. So in this case here for Sitsipas. And by know, the way, um, like you know, it's funny, it's funny. People are saying Rafa has a hard draw. They say, you know, he's got to play center. He's got to play Joker. And he's probably going to have to play Steph. And well, yeah, he, I can picture him... I can picture him blowing them all out of the water. <laughs> the brilliance of him, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't think or focus that way. No. He only focuses on first round opponent, first point, first game, first set, and then only focus on opponent number two when that's up. That's the greatness of Rafa. He did definitely get a difficult draw. You know, it's difficult well, so, for his opponents. Well, to hang, on hang on a sec. Hang on a Hang on a second. This is his difficult draw. Ready? Popyron, Gaston. Popyron, listen, the guy's good on clay. That's a tricky match first round. Yeah, first round, but he's but but couldn't you picture Rafa beating him for three, two, and one? <laughs> I mean, sir. Yeah, but yes, that, yes. That guy could easily take him to a breaker. He's got a big serve and a big game. Yeah, I mean, then I Ga hold on, then Gaston, then Sonego, then Sinner. Sinner's rough and ready, man. I, I mean, that's what I said. He got a tough section of the draw. Mm. He got guys that are playing good clay court tennis. Um, but I love his focus of one game, one set at a time, next opponent. Doesn't think of, you know. And for Rafa, he started to serve in his forehand a lot better in Rome. Um, and you know maybe the extra week was probably good for him, you know, on getting in some extra reps in practice. Um but I'm looking forward to seeing how it will play out. Uh, Schwartzman, Karatsev play in the third round. What can you tell me about Karatsev? He, he really didn't come completely out of nowhere, right? He was a blue chipper at a young age? Well, obviously, the guy was a, a really good junior. He moved from Israel. His dad moved him when he was 17 out of Israel. And he, he struggled till he was 25. He had been in Spain. He had been in Germany. He had some knee problems and maybe some issues with the dad. And then he also, like, couldn't free himself, he said, from his own head. But obviously, he's figured it all out. The talent was there. Schwartzman is struggling. You know, he's actually got a really good draw to win a couple of matches. But I don't, you know, the way he's playing at the moment, um, I wouldn't fancy his chances of, of beating 18 Karat if they played third round because he beat him already in the clay court season. So I, I think that... Karatsev's done an incredible job of backing up what he did in Melbourne by winning lots of matches after that. 
and he's number six on the race to, to the year in championship. So, uh, you know, I kind of like the way he's playing a lot and, and where he's going. Rublev is somebody that I actually feel like he's better on hard courts. Even though he beat Rafa and Monte Carlo, I feel like he plays better tennis, you know, on hard court. Um, and, but he's obviously played well on every court, you know, but now every one of these slams, you know, he's made quarters. Can he make, you know, another one? Somebody we didn't talk about on the women's, can you believe that she's the number three seed? Sabalenka has never made it past the round of 16. So it's like everybody said, can, can you make it? So I think Rublev has the same kind of pressure a little bit. Can he exceed past where he is in, in, in the rankings? Your, your pick to win this thing this year? I'd just like to see history. Yeah. So wouldn't it, you know, I'll give you a blackjack scenario. So if Rafa were to win, it would be 14 slams at Paris, seven elsewhere. That gets you 21. That's blackjack. And 21 would get you to history and be number one all time. So I'm, I want to see that. But obviously, there's Joker in there. And there's 21 sets. And what you do as a coach and as you're somebody like Rafa, you just count the sets backwards. You get one, that's 20. You get two, that's 19. You just count them back and you, you go on. You get three, that's 18. That's how you do it, but love to see history. Brad Gilbert with blackjack and heavy tennis on his mind right there. Listen, I'm saying that's it. We shut it down. That's a great, that's a great episode of French Open TV right there. French okay, Open buddy. podcast. I appreciate it. Brother. And uh, listen, that was a yeah. that was a world class preview. How many screens will you be watching uh, Sunday through Thursday? One, because I don't have the TC Plus. Uh, maybe I'll buy it. You gotta buy it. Here we go, Brad Gilbert. Huge thank you as always. See you around the way, and you are released. Back at you. Huge thank you to Brad Gilbert, and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and use my code CRAIG30 in all caps at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. That is an unbelievable discount. The shoes are the best. Once again, a red tape complete is the official towel of the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. They are A-R-E-T-E-C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E.com. Use my code SHAP20 in all caps to receive a 20% discount. The French Open towels are off the charts. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Till then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. <laughs>